Welcome back to another edition of Talent Talk. Uh, here today, we have another special guest. Uh, really came across my lap uh, recently. Head coach Tim Periton uh, threw it across uh, my desk, and it was an interesting article about a former uh, UNF baseball player. He's now working in a player development. He's been in a number of roles uh, throughout Major League, Minor League Baseball. And uh, we have Joe Wilbruda here today. Thanks for being on. Absolutely, Brock. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me on. So always fun to talk to guys that have been in the PR and communications background too. It's always, uh, it's always, it's always nice to uh, get their take on things, but also with baseball, um, you've had a lot of experience with baseball and things are very different right now. What's your day to day like? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very weird time. You know, it's mid May right now. And right now, I mean, you're working seven days a week, 12 hour days at the complex every day, you know, a couple days here and there scattered throughout the month off. And right now that's not happening. So, um, you know, we're staying busy myself and my department, we're finding a lot of little projects to do to tidy things up. There's been a lot of organizational projects that, you know, we haven't had time to do in the past because of given how busy we are during this time that we've had a chance to sort of dive into and really, uh, take care of right now. So, you know, cleaning things up on our end, keeping things neat and organized, um, assisting other departments, the, the MLB draft is going to be coming up. So little things here and there, if we get asked for video requests, we're certainly assisting with that right now. So keeping ourselves as busy as possible and certainly all these, this unforeseen circumstance. What, uh, just for everybody listening, what, what is your title currently? Um, and how long have you been in this position? Sure. So I'm the minor league video coordinator for the New York Yankees. Um, and this is actually, I just started this new title in January um, with them. Formerly, I was a video manager. So I was stationed at an, at an uh, individual affiliate each year. I spent my first year back with the Yankees in Staten Island, our short season affiliate. And then last season, I spent in Scranton, Pennsylvania with our AAA affiliate. And now this year, I'm the video coordinator overseeing all eight of our domestic affiliates so during those times were you living in scranton were you living in staten island area yeah yeah um both times you totally relocate with the team um you do everything with them home road fulfill all video and data obligations um on top of that which is kind of ironic we're actually the acting team traveling secretaries with that so okay booking flights booking hotels car services for players that are getting promoted demoted whatever, um, constantly updating rooming lists, constantly being in contact with, you know, um, people at other affiliates, hotels, things like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a multifaceted job. There's always a lot going on and uh, every day is very different from each other. So it's kind of like a baseball ops job in a sense too. I mean, yeah, right on with that. Um, you're doing the day-to-day -day stuff with your team, but then you're also taking care of so many organizational aspects. Um, to make sure everything's running smoothly on a daily basis. Uh, where did you kind of learn all of this stuff? Because it's a lot of, I mean, obviously it was over time, but um, it's a very niche skill. It's a very niche set of skills um, and you need to be in it. Where did you learn it and uh, what was the inspiration? Yeah, I mean, geez, I guess, you know, dating back to my first internship in, in baseball is with the New York Yankees and their PR department, which is what I went to school for media relations, communications and PR. And, you know, that first job couldn't have been a greater experience on how to be a pro and handle the day to day business life of a professional baseball organization. 
And then the Yankees, nonetheless, it was 2014. It was Derek Jeter's last season. Um, it was Masahiro Tanaka's arrival. So we had kind of two medias, um, huge media influx at the time. So, you know, learning from that is getting a good, some good framework um, personally working in the industry. And then, you know, finding more of that niche like you're talking about, um, finding the right internships, um, making as many contacts as possible. So each experience, I've learned something very different. When I went to Potomac, I was with the Nationals. I learned something different there than what I did with the Pirates. And then getting back to the Yankees and just um, each place I've been has just sort of been a more one more step further, one more step further. And now it's just, you know, a culmination of all those things. And I'm still learning. And uh, but that's sort of the way that it kind of went down for me. Talk about that, going back to that Yankees internship. What was it like when you found out that you got that internship? Uh, it was, I was completely ecstatic. Um, I was in Orlando. It was the first winter meetings I've ever been at, uh, 2013, leading up to the 14th season. And um, things just went well. You know, it was like the, the first interview, I was like, you know, I didn't really have a great feel for it, whatever. But then when they called me back and was like, hey, like our boss wants to talk to you. And I was like, oh, wow, like, this is really great. And then, you know, him and I sort of hit it off. And ironically, he's actually from my hometown. Okay. He went to my high school. I had no idea of this. That's so wild. Lot, I had a lot of very good fortune in my corner. Um, yeah, our executive director of PR is Jason Zillow from Youngstown, my hometown. And uh, so I was very fortunate for that connection. Um, and like I said, I had no idea of his past. So I think that even added on to the, the mystery of it all. And you know, I was just thrilled when they finally called me back after that again and offered me come down to Tampa for spring. And then I was going to join them in New York for the regular season 2014. So I was going through some of your content and one of the odd things that struck me, and I, I think I had remembered that this happened, was it was either a box score or a recap or something you were involved in that you had on your, your kind of uh, uh, CV. And it was Danny Duffy had a start and he threw one pitch. Yes. Okay. And, and it was the shortest outing by a starter in Kansas City Royals history or something like that. And I think I remember when that happened for some really? reason. Yeah. But that's yeah. very odd. <laughs> no, I, I actually remember that perfectly. Like when that happened and we were like, oh, it's like, I can't remember what month specifically it was, but really it was like a really long day already. And it was the first inning and like, there's a super long delay because obviously you know, the pitcher could come in because of an injury, could take as much time as he needs. Mm -hmm. And then I get this stat thrown at me from another one of our PR staffs, or it could have been somebody from the Royals was like, hey, just an FYI, like this, this is a really good note. And I was like, that's a great note. So I think I was on the post game note duty for that day. So you're constantly getting it as the game goes on. And that was that was a good tidbit. Yeah, I remember exactly when that happened. Yeah, I don't know why I was I went, yeah, that's what it was. I went to the post game notes and I just, my eyes caught it and yeah. I saw it and I, I was like, yeah, I, I remember that oddly enough for, for whatever reason. Um, yes. What was, you know, being a baseball guy playing collegiately and playing, you know, throughout your whole life, what was most striking to you about professional baseball when you saw it from that angle? Yeah. So it's, it's different um, in the fact that in college, everything 100% of the time is geared towards winning. That moment, that day, that game, make conference championship, win the College World Series. So more specifically on the minor league side, winning, without saying this in a bad way, isn't necessarily everything. It's, mm -hmm. it's more about 
individual player development. We want to make each guy reach their potential. And we put certain our, – our staff that's unbelievable put certain guidelines in place for each player, and we're following that protocol regardless of what situation is up in the game. This guy throws X amount of pitches, he's out of the game, regardless if he's throwing a no-hitter, a perfect game, whatever. Um, you know, load management, things like that, whatever. Everything's very individualized, but it's that reason because we want everybody to be the best they can be so when they get to New York, that's where the winning is all about. That's where the game is most important is at Yankee Stadium every night. So we want to prepare our guys down here to get them to be their most potential. Now, winning culture is very important. It's something important to instill in the minor leagues. But I think if you do all these things properly with each individual guy, that's sort of going to take care of itself, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the biggest difference, in my opinion. So you, you got to work on the, the PR side to start, and then um, things probably started to snowball a little bit, and more opportunities started to emerge. Your mind kind of opened up. What was your, like, game plan at that point? Yeah, so, you know, the season ended, um, and I thought more in detail about what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was thinking this was great, an unbelievable first experience. But, you know, given my background playing and everything, I wanted to be able to contribute a little bit more to wins and losses, success on the field. Um, things like that. So video internships are a really good foot in the door type gateway to to furthering yourself and getting kind of immersed in that type of work. So, I mean, even that year with the Yankees and PR, um, tons of scouts are always floating around the ballpark. So I'd randomly make conversation with them or, you know, I'd, fi I'd get an email handle and I'd reach out to somebody that I thought would be helpful to to helping me learn more about how to get in this side of the game. So I just sort of took all those little things and ran with it. And luckily, unfortunately, things sort of progressed into, into what they became now. So it's pretty much just be resourceful is, is, the, is the name of the game right there. Be resourceful, knock on doors, pound the pavement, you name it, do it all. So you wanted to get into kind of the player development, uh, baseball operations, and the video, as you spoke about. Um, go into a detail, you know, you had multiple stops after that. What was the next stop for you? The next stop after the PR internship? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so pretty much it was back again. It was reaching out to people again that I've met over that time period, um, looking for any contacts I could, um, whether it was a coordinator of baseball operations. It was any team. I mean, I was literally reaching out to every single team in professional baseball. And um, so started reaching out to them in about September, October. Winter meetings are in December every year. So saying, introducing myself, this is what I did last year, this is what I'm interested in doing. So, you know, set up, set up interviews, things like that. Uh, let them know I was going to be at the winter meetings again. I'd like to meet with you in person. And then, um, you know, some more offers came in internship variety um, for video. So that was pretty much the next set of, set of things that came up. So talking about video, I know a lot of people on the outside might think it's video in a creative sense, but it's totally different. And you're in your neck of the woods. Um, you're it's the nitty gritty. It's the details. It's the information. It's the data, um, charting pitches, tracking all that. You literally can see the players swings in their in your sleep, probably. Um, what what is what is getting your mind and um, focus wrapped around that stuff like? Yeah, you know, when you do it 140 games during a minor league season, and you know you're doing the same thing night after night, and you're literally watching every single pitch of the game and, chart and charting what is happening on every single pitch of the game, that I think a video manager 
watches more baseball than anybody else on the field at any time. Because if you're in the dugout, you know, you could take a couple pitches off. You don't have to be that locked in. But you cannot miss a pitch. You cannot miss any type of data input or else it throws off everything. So it's just where you got to really love the game and you got to love all those things about it because you got to lock it in for three, three and a half hours every night. So people often ask me if I like video games and playing video games. And I actually say I don't. And it's true because most nights I am playing, I think of it as I am playing a video game. Like it's a baseball game and it's a different challenge each night because every game is different. So that's kind of, I kind of make it fun in a sense for me that, okay, it's time to play the game, you know? Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good observation because I, I would say even on, in, in my, in my world in the sports information worlds and a lot, and a lot of SIDs would say this, you know, you're statting a basketball game or you're statting a baseball game and I don't often watch them on my own time because right. it's, I mean, this is work, you know, you're seeing it from, was that an assist? Should that, should I give it, would I have given an assist to that person there? You know, how would I rule that? And, and it's the same for you and you're inundated with it and the players rely on it so much. And I'm sure they, I'm sure you got used to them just being like, I want video. I want to see this. I want you, you're, you're like, you're like at their beck and call. <laughs> You're pretty much right about that. But I mean, that's what our job is. You know, we are a resource for the players and the coaches, our development staff. So we know our role and our responsibility and what that entails. So that's sort of exactly what it entails, what you explained. You know, we're here to pull these things up for them, to show them clearly what they're looking for. So there's not, they're not doing it on their own and they don't even know what they're doing, which they do a lot of the time because they're so familiar with the software and everything. But you know, they could ask, they could get very specific with us and we could help them in a very specific way. So that's the big, uh, that, that's sort of the, what, what, what we signed up for, you know, is there, has there ever been a really, really odd request um, <laughs> that you can you know, think of? Yeah. There's just, there's always little things that come up that you're like, really? Like this, yeah. is, what we're gonna, <laughs> this is what we're going to look at today. Yeah. And then it's funny. Like you think that first and then, when you're sitting in and you're listening to a conversation going on about it, you're like, oh, well, that was actually a really, really good idea. Um, so specifically, it's hard for me to kind of pull out an exact example. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes in the moment you think, really? And then it actually turns out to be something that's super constructive to our mm -hmm. guys. So mm -hmm. it works out. Do you have um, – so the video coordinator that I had um, experienced seeing his job and how he did things um, – so you were also responsible for video camera placement then at right. ballparks. Okay. And then you traveled with the team, I'm assuming with in Potomac and with the Indians, right? Yes. Indianapolis. Um, what was, what was that experience like? Cause now that you're on the player development side, were you like, this is definitely what I want to do? It was. Um, and it, especially I really knew it was because I love spending time in the clubhouse with the players. I did it all my life as a player in college. So it's like, that's where, that's where the heartbeat of the organization is. And it's like, I like to be involved in that heartbeat. Not, you know, you get to work in the front office, which are great roles and jobs, but you know, you're very distant from what's actually happening inside those doors of a clubhouse. And that's where I've always thrived. I thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. um, the more, you know, blue collar environment, Get your, getting dirty every day, things like that. Um, so that's sort of 
I, I really realized that that's exactly what I wanted to be doing. That sort of clicked when I got to be so heavily involved in that. Um, and then going back to your camera placement thing that you're talking yeah. about, that's mm -hmm. always, it's always a challenge to uh, think because every ballpark is very unique and different, um, especially in the minor leagues. So, you know, you use whatever resources you can. You try to find a place that's very inconspicuous where people aren't going to notice it. But if you can't, you need to do a little more deeper research, talk to an usher. I mean, I've even talked to a kid in the stands one time. I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> I was like, I have this camera right here. If you're going to stick around all game, I will, I will bring you a baseball, like a, like a pearl, like a really good ball, if you will keep an eye on this and keep you away from this. So that's been a little – anything you can do, I mean, it's going to happen sometimes. You're going to lose an angle because of something like that. But if you can do anything to help that, Think outside the box and think of something. So, yeah, that, that was one thing I was always curious about. So the guy that I had, um, you know, picked his brain and sat next to, his name is Mike Langill. Um, I don't know if, okay. he's, if he's still doing it, um, but he would tell me stories about just kind of like center field cameras and just the rickety nature of trying to get up there to get the, get the yes. shot. And just like he felt like at his – at his own peril a lot of the times trying to yeah. get in position. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've had ex like horror stories or experience like that, but I mean, there has been a few. Um, fortunately, when you get in AAA, when I was in Scranton and Indianapolis, um, the ballparks are a lot more friendlier for camera placement because there's so much more space. It's just designed a little better. But when I'm in Potomac and Staten Island and Potomac in specific, when we go to Frederick, Maryland, playing Orioles organization um there was this very old wooden like camera well in center field and it was summertime and there was always all these bees there so it was like okay I gotta set this up as quickly as possible and not disturb like these bees I don't want to get stung by bees Lynchburg Virginia I climbed a 30 foot rickety ladder it's just like do what you got to do. Just like, hopefully you can handle it. And it was never an issue for me, but interesting things come up. Yeah. yeah. I, I was curious about that, especially at the oh, low, yeah. at, at, um, when you're at the single A level, um, you got to have yep. to get very creative um, totally. and uh, <laughs> be resourceful, but going back to just that clubhouse activity, that's, that's the impression that I got of just the video coordinator's job and even the clubby's job too. I mean, you're making right. that, those guys meals, you're, you know what they like to eat, you know, you know, you're doing their laundry and everything. Yep. Um, cycling back now, that, that's a really heavily involved position in, in baseball and growing up playing baseball, was it, was it objective of yours to be involved at this, at this capacity? Um, so yeah, when, when you're younger, you know, your, your first goal always, I think when you're dreaming, when you're a kid is you want to play as long as you can for as long as you can. So obviously to play professional baseball was the number one thing growing up. But you know, as things progress and you start to get to know yourself a little bit better and you see what's going on around you and then you be honest with yourself and sort of be like, okay, so like, if this isn't gonna happen, what am I gonna do? And it definitely crossed my mind, which is why I started to pursue all those, um, going to the winter meetings and stuff. And um, I gotta give a shout out to Colleen O'Connell who used to work in the yep. athletic communications department. She really helped me tremendously during that time with guiding me in the right direction. And so did uh, Brian Morgan too. Um, th th those two people, Chris Whitehead too, like they all were very important to me with getting myself started. So big shout out to those guys. Um, so 
Yeah. Um, what were we going back to again? <laughs> no, yeah, just just kind of growing up and and thinking is that, that oh, yeah, part yeah, of my yeah. future? And but no, going right. back to Colleen and I know yeah. Colleen. Um, if we need somebody to fill in and stat a game, um, she'll come by and and she'll help out. And and Brian Morgan, yeah. that's my boss. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that he knows too. So <laughs> totally, they're they're a one people, the best of the best. But um, yeah, so pretty much yeah, going back to that is just that yeah, I wanted to find any way that I could to take this next step, work in the business side, the operations side, the clubhouse environment, everything in, in that regard. So growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, um, it's, you know, obviously if you're good enough, you'll get opportunities regardless of where you're from, but it can be harder in a city like that versus growing up in Tampa, for example. Right. Um, right. How, how was, how was youth baseball? And then you made that leap to Midland, Texas. Um, how did those things happen? Yeah, it's a very, it's, it's kind of a can of worms. Honestly, it's crazy. Um, the way that it all went down. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had pretty good success growing up playing in, in Youngstown, younger high school, had a really good high school experience and everything. Um, I would have loved to continue playing in Youngstown at the college there somewhere nearby something. Um, but it just it never came to fruition. The the interest wasn't there from them. So, you know, I had to pursue other opportunities. And actually, um, my first year after I graduated high school, I did not attend college. I took a year off. Um, there were no offers there. I wanted to keep playing. I was really trying to be true to myself. And like, I think I can keep playing, but there's just nothing here. And, you know, so my mom gave me some really good advice, too. It was just like, I felt pressured to do what everybody else was doing, right? Like mm -hmm. everybody's going to college, everybody's doing their thing. And I'm worked in a grocery store for another year and I was just training myself whenever time I had to play. And I found this league in Yuma, Arizona. It's called the Arizona Winter League. Mm -hmm. And it's this very it's to basically play professional baseball. It's a tryout. It's a whole entire league to play either independent or earn a professional ML like contract from an MLB team. So I'm like not going to college. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out to Yuma, Arizona and do this for two months. And it couldn't have gone better. It was a great experience. Um, I met an unbelievable group of guys. Um, the, 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 the competition was great and I performed well against a lot of older people. So I sat down with my manager one day, Mike Marshall, who played for the the Dodgers in the late eighties, he was an all-star. He won a world series. It's a good time to be a part of them. Fortunately to be my manager of that team. And I said, so Mike, like I'm going to get signed by somebody, right? Like this was great. And he's like, how old are you again? And I was like, I just turned 19. I just turned 19. And he was like, um, you didn't start college at all. Did you like, you didn't attend the class and nothing. I was like, nothing, nothing at all. He said, no, Joe, you're not going to get, signed by a professional team he said you're gonna to go to college and I'm gonna find a college for you to go to so stay by your phone and I'll tell you where you're going and um so months go by months go by it's now it's late May I think it was late May and I I get a a, a text from somebody I played with he said hey Mike is trying to get a hold of you he has a place for you to play call me right now and I'm like okay great I'm all in so I call him. He says, Hey Joe, like, hope your summer's going good. You're, uh, you're going to get a phone call later today from David Coleman from Midland college. Um, he's going to give you a scholarship to go play for him out there. And, um, that's where you're going. And I said, 
okay, that's where I'm going. And I was thrilled that I had a place to go. Um, that's all that I cared about. Somebody wanted me, somebody was interested in me and I knew nothing about Texas. I knew nothing about West Texas, anything about that area of the country. And I'm all in. So it was, um, a very odd sense to get there since I technically wasn't recruited from Youngstown. Um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Again, it just worked out. That's really, that's a really cool story. And I was actually, I don't know if I included it on the questions, but just doing some research, I saw that you, I think in your bio at, I don't know if it was at Midland or somewhere, but I had saw the reference to the Yuma Scorpions and I was trying to piece together when that would have been, you know, cause I right, think 2009, right. was it 2009? That you it was played 2009 there? winter league season. It was January through very early March. Yeah. Right. And I was trying to yeah. place it and I, and I couldn't figure it out. And I wanted to ask about it because, you know, I Googled the yeah. Yuma Scorpions. I Googled, I think, did you guys win the league that year that you we, played? We won the winter league that year. Yeah. It was, it was unbelievable how everything just happened out there. It just, it could, I couldn't have scripted the way that that went any better. Well, <laughs> and, and in a way, Yuma probably prepared you a little bit for Midland because it's like kind of a far out there. <laughs> it's a far out there place in Arizona. It's not like Phoenix it's, metro area. <laughs> it's, it was essentially Mexico. I mean, we were yeah. 10 minutes from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. What, what was it like? Was it kind of a blur those couple months there? Cause you were just playing and kind of figure out your life. It wasn't really like I'm taking this place in. Yeah, it, it was sort of just like that. Exactly. But um, like I said too, I was fortunate with my teammates. They, they really, I was the young guy. I was the 19 year old that had no business really being there. And I had guys, all of my teammates had graduated college already and they've already been through that. And they're, you know, trying to continue to make it. That's when you're supposed to go there, not when you're a 19 year old that hasn't gone to college yet and all this stuff. But I was just so aloof and was just like, this is what I want to do. And fortunately, I had really good people looking out for me, like Mike Marshall, my teammates out there. And they totally steered me the correct direction to go. (laughs) Did did some people think you were kind of crazy? Yeah, some people did. Because I remember we stood up in a room with all 300 players that were there. And you stood up, you just said your name and where you went, where you played last. And everybody said, USC, Miami, Florida, um, you know, Ohio State. And I just stand up. I'm like, um, I went to Ursuline High School in Ohio. <laughs> and it was sort of a, I was like shrinking in my chair a moment because I'm like, do I belong here? Yeah. Um, so it was sort of like trust yourself type moment. How how did it even like come to fruition that it was like allowed for you to be on that team? <laughs> that's it's a great question. I reached out to because you have to pay on your own merit to go here doing this do this do this league. But the commissioner, his name was Stephen Bedford, and he followed up with everybody that wanted to get involved. And he said, and I was one of the people he reached out to. He said, hey, please tell me more about your history because. I don't want anybody to pay this money and come out here and be overwhelmed. So I remember sitting down at home and writing this email in 2009. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I have to get here. So talk about my high school experience, talk about whatever award I've ever won or been a part of and just tried to make it sound as good as possible. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but anyways, he got back to me and said, okay, like it sounds great. We, we grant you permission to register. So 
thankfully, again, another small thing that if he just would have looked at this and just crossed me off, this would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, your again, resourcefulness. I mean, like it's a, for a lot of people, it's not even an option. It's probably not even an avenue. I mean, just peer pressure at that point, it's keeping you from going to yeah. Arizona because I'm sure there were people back home that you're kind of, it's not like they were a huge part of your life maybe, but you still felt like you had to justify, you know, why am I doing this, you know, versus going to totally. Kingstown state, you know? I mean, you, you're exactly right again. And it's just, you, you are peer pressured. You see all your pictures, of your friends that are in college with new people and just enjoying themselves the first time away from home and the whole college experience. And I wasn't getting that. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, jealousy, whatever you want to call it. It was, I wish I was doing that, but I'm going to do this because this is, I felt like, you know, I was backed into a corner and this is my only option right now. So. Was there a moment down yep. there playing in Yuma where you were like, Oh, I, I did make the good, good decision. Like when was that? So that really didn't come until I really had that conversation with Mike Marshall, my manager. Um, Cause you know, you just never know what people are thinking and stuff. So sort of, um, I didn't know him very long, but I trusted what he told me. He said, I will, I'm going to do this for you. And that goes a long way with me. And I like to think that I do that now going forward, learning that from him, that if somebody says that they're going to do something for you and you, you know, you got to take that, you got to trust them. So, um, that was an incredible amount of trust that I put into him. And it's just like, you know, just the things that's done for me along the way has been incredible. Yeah. Cause it really did catapult every, you know, in, in some way it, it linked, um, linked began the link of the rest of your story um, because obviously you go to Midland and then uh, yep. we get to UNF. Um, yep. So now you're at Midland and again, it's still not like you're coming your teammates at Yuma where they're saying I'm at Miami, I'm at USC, I'm, yeah, at, Power right, Five, right. I'm at Midland college and I need to prove myself again. Um, yeah. But you were all in um, and I'm sure very thankful for it. Um, what was, what was starting at junior college baseball like? Junior college, it was, I, I recommend anybody that's struggling with where to go, what to do. Um, if you go to junior college, you're going to get a chance to play, first of all. And, you know, community colleges in general are a cheaper avenue to attend school. Um, so that's involved. It gives you sort of some time to really think about what you want to do. You don't have to declare a major. You're taking core classes that are going to be good for your future. Um, so, you know, having just knowing that was a sense of comfort. Um, the competition was great too. And what's different in junior college is you play a full fall schedule against other teams. You don't have to enter a squad for two months or whatever, like you do at North Florida at division ones, that gets very monotonous, um, you know, all that type of training stuff. So it really challenges you. Um, the rules are a lot lesser. You can practice more, you can be on the field longer, you can weight lift and condition more. So I think you really get a chance to, improve yourself on the athletic standpoint tremendously by going the junior college route, especially mm -hmm. out West or down South anywhere, because your weather is a lot more friendly for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's kind of an all in type of life too. I mean, baseball, you probably eat, sleep and breathe, you know, playing baseball, um, in, in right. a junior right. college level. Um, you had great success there. Did you feel like your game developed into something different when you're at junior college ball? Yeah, um, it, there was a certain level of comfort that I had in Midland um, that was brought out from, you know, people at the university, 
my coaching staff, my teammates. Again, I was really blessed and fortunate with being put with a great group of people. I think that's the most important thing about when you go to a new place is how are you treated? Do these people care about me? Um, and they did all of that. And they made me just feel so welcome and comforting. And as, as you know as well, you know, you do everything better when you're loose and you don't feel pressure and you're relaxed. And I felt like that all the time there. So it allowed my game to sort of elevate, um, just being more consistent and, uh, and everything like that. So you're at Midland for those two years. Uh, what was living in that part of Texas like relative to growing up in Youngstown? Yeah, I mean, night and day. Just when I drove there for the first time with my parents and you just see the country start changing, when you get to Texarkana and then you go straight west to Midland. Um, it's just, it had just enough though um, out there, you know, it was a very small town, but it reminded me of Youngstown in the sense that it was very blue collared and hardworking. It's very oil rich area. It revolves around oil. It's one of the best oil cities in the country. Used to be number one, I know. I'm not sure if it still is or not, but it had that sort of mindset, get yourself dirty all the time. Um, their high school football tradition is really, really good. The Midland Odessa area, Friday night light stuff. Um, that's right there. So we have really good high school football in Youngstown as well. So those two paralleled really well. But, you know, the, the style of the, the country was very different. You see a tumbleweed every once in a while rolling across the road. And the wind was ferocious in West Texas, just constantly howling. Um, so it was just um, – it was, it was something cool to, to get to experience out there. Um, I know off air, we talked about uh, Youngstown and wanted to talk about that. And you alluded to that in terms of preparing you for the culture of living in Midland. Um, Youngstown is, a, is an interesting place because, it, you know, at one point it was an even bigger cog in the economics of the United States being a part of the Rust Belt being right there. And a lot of that lingers right. over. Um, what, what was what was the identity of, of Youngstown um, for you, you know, when you lived there? Yeah. I mean, as, as blue collar as that city gets, it's just, um, you know, everything was all about hard work, hard work, hard work. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it's a very historic town, you know, it was one of the main sources of steel other than Pittsburgh um, at that time, you know, back in the day, day, they were making, things for, for wars and stuff, you know, rifles, things like that. So when you do things like that, when your town's known for things like that, that's, that, that's immediately what your work ethic is. That's what you are. You know, this is what we did. So you'll never forget things like that. So um, that, that's definitely just the definition of the work ethic from there. Um, how is it describing it to people when they ask you about Youngstown? Because I'm sure there's some people that you've come across that have been through there or at least know of something. Um, what do they think of it? <laughs> yeah, um, I think they look at it and they're just like, really? Like, cause you know, there's a lot of old mills, steel mills and stuff that are around that are deteriorating. Um, so you can get some pretty bad visuals when you look at it from the outside and you don't know anything about it. You're just like, Oh, like Youngstown, um, this place looks rough, <laughs> but, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great place to build a foundation for, um, as far as a strong foundation, your, your character and your work ethic and all those things. So um, giving yourself some time living there, it, uh, you get to know it a little bit differently and for what it's really worth and the value and everything like that. Growing up there, did you have visions of, of being somewhere else or, you know, going to Jacksonville, going to Midland, being around the country, or did you not? 
Well, I like traveling a lot, you know, like in high school and stuff. I thought it was always great. Like when I get a chance to go to Florida or something, um, I just, that's, that's kind of all I knew at the time. So I was like, you know, it's, it would be great to stay here and play at YSU or Kent state or Akron. And, you know, just none of those things ever drew to fruition. It just, I, I wasn't their guy, you know, and that's fine. That's fine. But I got a chance to, uh, to get out there and do something else and get to meet a whole new group of friends in two different places of the country and play at two really, really good programs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just, I'm thankful for everything that, that uh, that's come about it from, you know, not getting a chance to play there. Um, a lot of good things have happened from that. So uh, you get linked up to, um, to, to the new opportunity in Jacksonville. Uh, you're, you're at Midland for those two years and you had uh, some great, great numbers there. Um, the next step was on the horizon. What was the time like for you in that, in that period of your life transitioning to another college? From Midland to Jacksonville, yeah. Um, geez, at the time, I was like, man, I wish this was a four-year school because I, I really connected with my teammates and coaches in Midland and just the city, and I just felt so comfortable there. And then it's you know it's only a two-year school, so you got to move on. And um, yeah, it was. I had now this time I had a few offers to play at other places. Um, Coastal Carolina was one, Virginia Commonwealth, and actually Cleveland State too came around and offered me a scholarship and. Everything sounded great. There were some really good opportunities out there, but for whatever reason, there was just something in my gut that didn't feel like I was, none of them were the right choice. I could have gone there. It could have been great, but something was just like off or missing. And fortunately, while this is going on in the midst of my sophomore year at Midland, um, my head coach, David Coleman, got a phone call from former head coach at UNF Smoke LaVal. And he said, man, he said, our second baseman is, is leaving next year. Um, and we're, we, we need a guy like, like, do you know anybody? Is there anybody that you played against like in your conference that you could even help me out with? And he said, yeah, I got a guy and he plays for me. And uh, he's not comfortable with his options. And I think he'd be great to connect with you. And David Coleman and Smoke Laval, it's a little quick history. Coach Coleman was a coach at Texas A&M years ago. And Smoke Laval was at LSU. Mm-hmm. So both being in the SEC, they cross paths a lot. Mm-hmm. And they remain friends and contacts and would trade players and stuff all the time. Um, talk about guys. So once he told me that, you know, UNF was interested, this is my good friend, and I had all the trust in the world in Coach Coleman, I was like, that's where I'm going. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it mm-hmm. wasn't even an afterthought. It was uh, – it was, I'm going to UNF next. That, that's, that's what it came down to. So did you take a visit even? I didn't visit until I went to visit to sign my NLI. With, okay. With Judd Loveland and, and Tim uh-huh. Farrington. Uh-huh. Um, it was ironic too because Midland never saw me throw a baseball, hit a baseball, and they signed me. And then same with UNF. They've never seen – they never watched me throw a baseball, hit a baseball, and they offered me an opportunity to play here. So – going back to the importance of just like trusting people's word and things like that. It's like, you know, that's really important because there's no tangible evidence. It's just all some, what somebody says. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so a good was, point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's complete so, trust. My first visit was I was going there to sign my papers and I went to orientation and it was great. It was great. Campus, incredible. 
it was an unreal experience. Um, so obviously Jacksonville is very different um, <laughs> from where you had been. Now you're in the right. tropics, so to speak, or at least it feels like. From right. somebody from Miami, they might feel like Jacksonville is away from the tropics, but for somebody that grows right. up in um, Youngstown, it's palm trees and, and everything. Um, right. So how did uh, how did that transition to playing Division One go in your mind? Obviously, looking at your numbers, you produced once again. I mean, there really was no falling off. Like year to year, you might get one percentage point of your average change. You know, yeah. it's pretty remarkable. Right. Right. Um, right. What, what was you know what was it like being around finally Division One environment? Yeah, it was um, again another adjustment, different type of period. We we knew more about our opponents. Um, we'd get information. This is uh, yeah. I know now, even in Division One athletics, like there's a ton more information when I was there in 2011-13 at UNF. So still, we'd get a few things. We'd get some numbers, and I just remember really how the game was managed. Smoke Smoke Laval was a great game manager. Like you think of a great manager of the game. And he did that really well. He had a great feel. He had a great history. He's been to college world series and great resumes. So it's really, it was a real true like game. There's a lot more cat and mouse game going on. It's not like in junior college, it's kind of just like, Play. Hey, I'm going to throw my best stuff at you. Here's, yeah. here's my 95 mile hour fastball time after time after time. Yeah. And now it's a lot more methodical. Players are a lot more fine tuned. Um, a lot of these guys are getting drafted. We're playing teams like, University of Florida are ranked number one in the country. Um, so you're just getting the best of the best, really. And the Atlantic Sun Conference was tremendous. Um, a lot of great talent in that conference at the time. And it was, it was great. Yeah, that's a really good observation, too. And I think that's the perception of, uh, of junior college. Where you, I mean, it's, you're there to flaunt what you have and to play and to put yeah. it on display and let it rip, you know. Um, yeah. And it's really – so much work goes into um, preparing for uh, NCAA baseball games now and all the uh, different details that go into it from a coaching perspective and, and everything. Do you have a favorite uh, moment on the field or favorite game when you're at UNF that really sticks out to you? Yeah, definitely. It was my, uh, my senior year, um, the second game of the season. We were opening up against West Virginia, and I ended up getting a walk-off base hit and the, I, think it, I think it was the ninth inning. It was either the ninth or it was extra innings. But, um, you know, West Virginia, good program, good school overall. Um, so it was great. We, we won the first game of the series. So the second game, we ended up winning the series on that day. And um, so I won't forget that. And then, ironically, this past year, two players that were on that um, West Virginia team were in AAA with the Yankees with me. Wow. <laughs> so I had to give them and throw them a little shade. I was like, hey, you remember when you came to Jacksonville in 2013? And it was Ryan McBroom and Billy Fleming. That's crazy, man. And That's nuts. He was like, oh, yeah. Like, I do remember that. Like, <laughs> I wish that didn't happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, um, I, and that's probably special for you because I'm sure you've known a lot of people growing up and that are in Youngstown that have West Virginia connections. I'm guessing you do it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's always something going on there. So it was, uh, that was a really fun moment for me. Totally. I'm just, anytime you can celebrate a walk-off win and be a part of it is just, it's always a special moment. Uh, you um, kind of being that middle infielder, toughest to strike out, I saw in top 50 in the nation back-to-back -back years. Was that kind of your MO, just kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the pitches that come, I'm going to be patient, um, kind of grind out yeah. the bats? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. That is my MO to a T. Um, and ironically, I wasn't that patient. I would, I would swing early in counts and I would make contact though. So counts never got far on me. But no, that was always, that was the way I was raised. I mean, going back with my dad really instilled really old school mentality of not striking out. You know, don't, it's not, it's never, nothing ever good to come out of striking out. If you touch the ball, somebody has to field it, somebody has to throw it. You know, somebody can trip and fall. Um, so that, that was just instilled in me when I was very young. Um, make contact. Make, make the defense do something. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of my thing. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I, I grabbed from your stat line. Um, and it's interesting you say that because that is the old school kind of mentality where striking yeah. out was the, you know, the end of all existence. You know, we can't do that. And how much the culture of baseball has changed yeah change now i mean yes. especially i mean you you see that even more than somebody like me will will see um now that you're working in professional baseball um so for you at that point you 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 had played at the collegiate level um had there ever been any thoughts of of playing past that yeah i mean um it always has crossed my mind um when i was having a lot of good success at midland and everything and then sort of early on at UNF, it's just like, you know, like, is this going to happen? Is this not? It would have been great to happen. But at the same time, you know, looking back, it's it's a really hard thing to ultimately achieve. Um, it's something that I was always striving for. But then when you reach the finish line and you see that, you know, this isn't going to happen, then you start, you know, you start making other plans. But I definitely crossed my mind at a certain point for sure. But um, I'm the way that things – continue to play out it was uh totally the right thing and just very thankful for all of it how has that impacted um your own pursuit in professional baseball just having a resume of of playing and succeeding at multiple colleges and playing in yuma has that impacted kind of your repertoire your uh, rapport yeah i think i think it sort of helps out a little bit the fact you know when you can say you know, I did this, I played here. When you're in a job interview, you don't just talk about going to that school or that's like you actually were in between the lines and you're playing the game. So I think to a certain degree that can help. Not certainly not in every case, because there's a ton of smart people that don't need to play the game that can really contribute. So that's something to always think about too. But I think for me, I certainly use that to my advantage because of anything else that I may have been lacking. It was, you know, I was a player. I played at two really good programs. So um, it was always a good light to talk about those two because, you know, they did so much for me and they contributed to these opportunities. So, um, yeah. Uh, were you kind of, when you were on these teams, did you ever get like the stigma of being like a baseball nerd? Did you have that part of you at all? Or like, were you like always around the game or kind of pigeonholed in that way? Yeah, like, you know, that always comes up and stuff because, like, you can get, like, that sort of, like, reputation or whatever. Like, you can just hear guys like, oh, you're just, like, the video guy or whatever. But I think – I hope the guys have seen me in the light, that the way that I go about my business with them and the way I talk about the game with them. And I was always getting out there, and I was – I'd hit guys, fungos for all of our players because um, our staffs are small in the minor leagues. So it's like if anybody can help in any way, like, please do. So, you know, just go out there, hit guys, fungos, play bases for infielders, throw BP when I needed to. So I think when they'd see me get involved in that way, I sort of didn't ever develop that reputation of being the 
video nerd or whatever gets thrown around. Um, yeah. Have you found that you've watched, um, do you watch baseball on your own time then? That was another thing I was curious about. Cause yeah. I mean, did you watch baseball when you're playing and then have you watched less now that you're working in it? Right. Um, so I'll watch the Yankee game every night whenever I can. Like I'm always staying up to that. And especially last year in Scranton, cause I was responsible for travel. So usually I'd have to have that game on the TV cause we play at seven, they play at seven. And, um, you know, I'd have to watch the game because there's, there's an injury or something. You know, one of my guys are going up immediately or meeting them on the road, wherever they're at. So it was constant management and paying attention to that sort of thing. So I still like to tune into a really good game, you know, every night whenever I can. But it, specifically last year, it was like, you really got to pay attention to this. Like, you got to watch this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have you found it that people outside of – working in professional baseball really don't understand like kind of that persistent um, attention to detail that you need to have. And you kind of always need to be on and you need to be watching games at night and paying attention to it uh, with it because it's work. Do you find that people don't really get around to understanding that? Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't that don't work in sports. I have a lot of friends that do so they understand, but then the people that don't, when they ask like if I'm free or can do something or even just talk on the phone. And I'm like, I get two days off a month per mm-hmm. month. So like, I don't get weekends off. I don't get the holidays off the summer holidays off. Fourth of July is baseball's biggest day. Like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. And I try to explain that and they're like two days a month. Like, I'm like, yes, a month. So, um, yeah, it is sometimes a struggle to explain that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you can end up burning the candle at both ends too. So it's it's even when you do have free time, it's it's like I really need to take the time for myself. I gotta, you know, I gotta do my errands. I gotta, you know, it's like you're falling behind on your own laundry, you know, or something like yeah. that. It's a, uh, it's kind of always a um, a perpetual grind, and I'm sure that you know you're in it because you embrace it. Um, is you know is is it uh is, is that eye opening to you? Did you know that that existed, or did you expect for that to exist? Um, it was I sort of had an understanding, but early on I really didn't, just because it was also new to me. When I went to that first winter meetings, it was just like I had no idea what I was really doing. <laughs> I was like, I just want to see what's out there, and hopefully this works out. And then um, you know that first year with the Yankees in PR, it was like my hours were more limited because of uh, internship role and stuff. But like, I could just see, and I could see what my bosses were doing and what other people in the org were doing. And I was like, this is actually what it is. So being an intern, you don't have to start by working all those hours, but you'll get a sense because you see what everybody's doing around you. And you're like, if I'm going to make it in this, I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to be one of them. So, So you gotta be that busy bee and sort of expect that don't complain when the days do get long because you know exactly what you signed up for. So let's say you go home for a family dinner, or you have a family gathering and somebody asks you what you do for your job. How do you kind of summarize it to them? <laughs> I try to keep it as, you know, as vague as possible. Like just cause there, I could talk about so many things forever, but I mean, I talk about being, I best describe myself as a video librarian. I'm organizing video, I'm organizing data um, constantly. So 
Um, that's really the main basis of my job. Special projects are going to come up. Players and coaches are going to need things. You're going to pull things specifically for them. You're going to work on projects for people. But when it comes down to it, you're organizing and collecting data and video. That's what I try to say. So you probably have the most organized data, digital files just in your own computer too, I'm guessing. It gets to a point where it permeates just like your personal life. <laughs> yeah, no, and I look forward to during the off season, like when things really slow down, I go back through everything and I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta do some spring cleaning here and tidy up all this stuff that, that's sort of been wild throughout the year. So it's, it's a good feeling, yeah. Yeah, I can relate. I, I definitely can relate. Oh. There are always projects yeah. in the yeah. sports info world where it's like, Oh man, I have these files all over here. It's all like backlogged. It's giving me anxiety. I'm gonna lose it. And, you know, and your like, desktop has, has 85 icons now of papers and PDFs. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> how did this happen? <laughs> right. And, and 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 people are like, so what what are you doing on the weekend? It's like I'm I'm cleaning this. Like, sorry, I just need some time. What do you yeah. mean with like Lysol? No, yeah. cleaning <laughs> internally my computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So how, with all this stuff and kind of the, the, the grind that working in sports is, what is your favorite way to decompress? Um, yeah, I, I take advantage of the, the, the nature and the outdoor life here in Tampa. I love uh, some great views here. I like to rollerblade outside on Bayshore Boulevard. The Tampa River Walk is a great place to walk around and just see everything. There's people kayaking all over the place with boats here and there. A lot of fun things to do downtown and I got a great set of neighbors here where I live. Um, our one guy, G, we call him the mayor, and he hosts these little pop-up just gatherings outside. We're keeping our social distance during these times. Uh, we're on his porch. We're enjoying a glass of wine. We're having good conversations about life and everything. So uh, just been finding any way to pass the time as constructive as possible, working out, just talking to people, and sort of enjoying myself that way. Now that you've traveled around to different places and you also help coordinate travel, um, have you had some unique stops along the way that we haven't really mentioned, you know, whether it was just a brief weekend that you're like, wow, this place is really special. I really like this has, you know, an imprint on me. Yeah. Um, I've always liked the city of Indianapolis. I got lucky to work there for two years. And then this past year when I was with Scranton, it was really great to, uh, to get a chance to go back there and be familiar with the ballpark and the people that work there and, some of my old players that were still in AAA. Um, so it was weird, you know, walking back there the first time again, and you don't walk to the home clubhouse. You have to walk to the visiting clubhouse because you know so much about the other side. But um, so I love the city of Indianapolis. It's very, it's a big city, but it has a very Midwestern small town feel. You can get around it in an hour, like easy. So I look forward to that. And Charlotte is just probably the best minor league city in baseball as far as views, uh, big city, you know, tons of pro sports there, tons to do. So Charlotte is the best road city to go to. Um, obviously traveling a lot in minor league baseball. Um, the travel varies for sure, whether you're in the international league or, you know, down to, um, you know, any of the leagues in double A and single A. Uh, do you have any favorite kind of travel stories that were kind of like frenetic or they were fun or just kind of was, was like a spontaneous thing that happened? Well, the best travel story I have was last year. We ended up finishing the regular season. 140 games weren't enough. We were tied with Syracuse. So we have to play a game 141. And so it's a one-game playoff in Scranton, and I need to organize travel for this. So if we win, we're going to Durham to play the Durham Bulls. So I have to have 
it's not a horror story. It's just the most interesting story I have. It's so I have a bus scheduled staying at one of our hotels ready to either take us to Durham or we were going to have to can't like we would cancel them because it would be the end of the season immediately. And I would have to make 25 flights that night for guys going home everywhere they're going or join or when rosters expanded, join the team in New York. So it's like, there's a lot of interesting things that can happen here. So anyways, long story short, that game, the seventh inning, we're down eight runs, end up tying the game. The eighth inning, we're down, they score seven more now. Now we're down seven. We score eight runs. So now we have a one-run lead going into the ninth. And we bring in Ben Heller, bang, 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 strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Mm -hmm. And we win the craziest game of the year um, on game 141. And then got to call the hotel. Yes, we are coming. We will be there in like 10 hours. And we play the next day. And so confirm that. Call the bus company. We're going. Get here. Um, all this stuff. So while I'm trying to celebrate in the clubhouse with the guys and champagne and stuff, and um, I'm also on the phone talking, we got to do this, we got to do this. And it was um, the most hectic travel experience I've ever had to deal with firsthand in my life. <laughs> a lot of stress and a lot of people not seeing that you're stressed too, I'm sure. Right. Because it's right. like, sorry guys, I really want to have fun, but I have yeah. to call and make this because you don't want to not have a plan to get to a hotel. Right, right. That's the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> so I'm assuming everything went well. You got, you know. Everything went out. great. Um, everybody was super communicative, thankfully, um, and it all worked out well. All right, good. Because yeah, that's that that can be um, that can be hair raising at times. Um, yes. Do you have a favorite uh, travel trick that you kind of a trick of the trade, like something you got to bring on the plane or on the bus or um, with you that you know you don't people don't think about? Yeah. Um, always have your your iPad or your iPhone. Download whatever Netflix you want to catch up on for the trip, because chances are the bus Wi-Fi is going to be terrible. But, Download what you want to watch and download a lot of it because it's going to be a long time. Um, so definitely just stay on top of that. Think a couple days before you go. Don't wait until the last minute and download all that stuff. Um, so what about, you know, you're going to small towns and a lot of times the food options aren't that great. Um, what about diet on the road? How do you, how do you manage that? It's, it's terrible for me personally. Um, when you get in some place late or I mean you're stopping some places in gas stations, I'm just eating whatever hot dog I can find on the grill that looks good. Or you're like, Oh, I'm just going to wait. And then I'm going to order a pizza and you're starving and you get there at midnight. So you just house half a pizza. Like mm -hmm. it's, it can go, it can go downhill pretty quickly. But, um, I try to get to the ballpark early when I can, especially on the road. I like to run stadium stairs or just run around the ballpark a few times before players and coaches might get there because you got to find a way to cancel that out. <laughs> you got to get some calories burned, you know, got to get a little yeah. sweat in, yeah. find a minute totally, or two totally. if you have, have the time. It's all those, all those little tricks of the trade that uh, you can't discount uh, whatsoever. Um, exactly. Any, any, any favorite mementos that you've picked up along the way or, you know, pieces of, I see you got the Yankees uh, uni back there, but uh, anything yeah. that you kind of bring around with you? Um. Not particularly. Um, there was actually something really ironic that happened. I don't know if you were aware of this, but um, at UNF, I got hit in the face with a with a pitch. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, 
another another interesting story about me um yeah if you're willing to, to share if you want to share yeah yeah so my last game ever played at unf actually i was um i got hit in the face in the conference tournament against kennesaw and at, at in deland at stetson and it knocked these two teeth out and literally these are two dental implants now so i had to get like facial surgeries to and that was the last at bat i've ever had in my life oh man <laughs> Um, conference tournament but so crazy day so somebody you know the pitcher was mortified that this yeah. happened i had to come out of the game go to the dentist emergency we come back i mean i come back i they just fixed me up just enough because i was on the road and then i had to do a lot more work in jacksonville but i make it back they go into extra innings of this game and i come back and i walk through with my mouth full of gauze and i'm like rallying the troops in the dugout and i just remember like kyle brooks one of my teammates from UNF scoring the winning run of that game. And just like, it was like absolute mayhem that I made it back before the game ended because it happened early in the game. And then, uh, so there's that. So anyways, the pitcher, long story short, I'm in Rochester, um, twins, triple a, I was with the pirates. I'm watching the broadcast. I was charting the game from the clubhouse, watching the TV. And this guy is pitching. His name is Alan Busenwitz. And they're like, yeah, he went to Kennesaw State, graduated in 2013, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, let me open a tab here on my computer, look up the box score. Sure enough, pitcher, Alan Buzenwitz, batter, Joel Bruda, result, hit by pitch. And I'm like, no way. This is ironic. That's, that's nuts, man. So after the game, I get their clubby, and I say, hey, can you get Alan out of the clubhouse? I, I kind of know him. I'd like to talk to him. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, so – yeah, I went to UNF doing Kennesaw. I'm like, yeah, I remember the conference tournament in 2013. He's like, yeah, I kind of remember. He's like, yeah, you, I was like, you, you hit a guy with a pitch. And he was like, no way, that's you. And I was like, yep, sure is. So we actually uh, talked for 20 minutes outside in the hallway and uh, shook his hand. We took a picture. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. So what did you, what did, what did you go and, and what did you say to him at that point? I mean, because obviously you, you presented it like, yeah. You know, kind of, kind of like, hey, you hit a guy. You know, you didn't go full direct about it. Um, right, right. So were you like strategic about that going up to him? I was. I was like leading into it to see when he was gonna, it was gonna resonate with him, and that's when it finally really resonated. Um, so that's like one of the most unique stories I've ever had. Getting to come across him, sort of making everything full circle, and it was all good. I mean, it was all fun again. I couldn't stop. I was, I was just floored that I actually finally got a chance to talk to him. Because I heard about how remorseful he was and how he felt about that. And we never had a chance to cross paths ever. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was crazy. And then I remember watching a few weeks later, I'm like, he made his major league debut a few weeks later with the Twins. And I'm like, maybe this was like a bury the hatchet thing. Like this needed to be done for him to get to fruition. Like, yeah, you know it was I mean? like keeping him in like baseball purgatory. He yeah, needed to like yeah, get up to that. <laughs> yes, I joke around about that. Um, it's funny though, but great guy, um, great guy, and everything. And it was just a really funny circumstance. That's a really story. good. That's a yeah. really good anecdote. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad that one came up. Um, good, I'm good, sure. Good. I'm sure you know that had been horrific too at the time. Just, yeah. I mean, for you thinking about that instance, it probably was a blur before it even happened. I'm sure, sure. Um, before sure. when he got hit, but. Um, coming back and I know I know Kyle I was even gonna ask about Kyle too he's yep. when he yep. went, he's, he's obviously volunteer assistant now and so yeah I have, I've roomed with him a number of times so 
Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, another good dude, and I'm sure he watches the Yankees um, yes. a lot as well. Gonna, uh, yep. <laughs> is a big Yankees fan. Um, I was aware, yep. yeah. <laughs> Any other stories that you want to share or any things you want to bring up? No, I mean, I, th- I think we really covered everything there. We got went to a lot of different places. We were, like, all over the map here, I felt like. Yeah, I, I kind of put you, I kind of put you through the ringer. I kind of uh, I try to bring it all all full circle the best I could. But you've been a lot of places, so um, this obviously could go on a, a lot longer too. Yeah. But uh, really unique story. Um, I'm glad that Coach Parenton brought you up, um, and uh, wish you nothing the best. You're doing a lot of hard work out there and, and making your dreams come true. It's always good to see. So uh, thanks for taking time, Joe. Yes, thank you, Brock. Thank you, Coach. Uh... Laval, Parenton, Judd Loveland, Andrew Hannon, all those guys, um, Coach Moon, everybody from UNF. Um, you know, I hope you guys get back to athletics as soon as possible. And uh, thank you for all the memories at UNF. I really appreciate it. Before we take off, continue to follow everything that is going on in UNF athletics as we continue to post content on our social media accounts. UNF Ospreys on Twitter, along with all the sports-specific accounts, North Florida Ospreys on Facebook, UNF Ospreys on Instagram, and of course, UNFOspreys.com. We're looking back on each of our seasons, spring seasons included, honoring seniors and going through other various content, including our greatest moments in history. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys here next week.